Either way, you get hit by a 12 gauge birdshot, buckshot, five, five, six, nine million. It's going to ruin your day. Yeah. yeah. Well, his, his thing is, he's like, you got to make sure you kill him or else they'll sue you. It's like, that's true. Yeah. That's, so that's it, real it, lawyer it, advice. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC podcast. We'll be information security show features from all around good people. It is week 43 of 2023. I'm Chris Louie. And I just spent more money at Ikea this week than I have in my entire life. With me, I am my co-host, Duke Silver, back alive from Chicago. Brian, was there any cupping involved? Uh, there was a significant amount of cupping, but it was consensual, so it's okay. And uh, yeah, there was uh, no threats in Chicago, but I was, you know, in my hotel room, staring, you know, standing at the window, staring at the moon, wondering if you guys were looking at the same moon as me. That was a different one. It was a different moon. <laughs> different moon. <laughs> yeah. Different. Uh, staring at way, some the... lit up clouds here. Yeah. I can't believe you spent any money at IKEA. You just looking for disposable furniture and decor? Is that what you're doing? Closet systems. For IKEA. They actually make pretty oh. decent closet systems. So, dude, up until the 22nd, I'll tell you right now, the container store on all Alpha systems is 35 percent off. And I went to Ikea and compared them to Container Store, and I think the Container Store is, well, better built. So We we do have what kind Container of Store in the Master. The Ikea is for the kids. Uh, Don't you cheap. mean primary bedroom, not master? You insensitive what a, prick. What a cheap For, for the slave bedrooms, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, here you go. I didn't say it. You heard it here. Chris is not here digging his own grave. <laughs> And we have Glenn Medina, hopefully not melting with this heat wave we've been having here in Northern California. I can't believe that I'm cooler than you. But then again, I've got air conditioning where I live, so it's not a problem. Sounds like you're having an issue with the heat wave more than I am. I'm half surprised you're not doing this from your pool, actually. Well, I would be, except the city of Vacaville is doing some construction work on the hill behind my house in preparation for some rain. I guess they're uh, they're digging a ditch and they're digging something. It's like they're making some type of trench in order to prevent the water from rolling down the hill and into our neighborhood. So it's a good thing. So or I couldn't be back there or else you'd hear nothing but crane work or bulldozer. Well, that's bulldozers. where Glenn's getting ready to bury the bodies. <laughs> you got it. Not, not only it. is Chris sweating his uh, off. Have fun editing that one out. Uh, Glenn's over here, and he's got long... Is that a long sleeve shirt and a vest? No, just okay, a vest. short sleeve, cold, you do... I'm chilly. I'm chilly in the chest. <laughs> you look like a typical middle-aged man getting ready to walk oh, into Starbucks to complain that your coffee's too dark. Stop it. Typical stop it. Startup employee. The startup employee starter kit with the Patagonia vest and the button-down so, polo. And then, and then, of course, all of it is named out, yeah. right? So with the all your corporate logos. logos. Yep. Yeah, there you go. No guess. So this week, thanks to Glenn's last-minute reschedule again, <laughs> combined, we have decades of information security experience and are here not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, real quick disclaimer. The reason why there was cupping involved is I was getting fitted for a suit for the listeners. So if everyone's wondering why we didn't we didn't close the loop on that little fun so fact. So wait, wait, wait. What do we, are cupping as in like heat cupping as in massage therapy or what kind of cupping are you talking about here? 
don't understand. It's a joke from Friends. Have you ever watched that TV show Friends? Yeah. There's a scene with Joey's tailor, and Chandler gets fitted, and he, Chandler's like, what's with all the cupping? And then Joey's like, that's normal, isn't it? No, it's not normal to be cupping <laughs> during, your, during your pants fitting. <laughs> I'll the link through to that in case the listeners don't understand that one either. You got it. You got it. All right, going from cupping to our thoughts no continue guess. to be with the people of Israel. As we always warn our listeners, be extra vigilant of phishing links from attackers that will no doubt take advantage of this tragedy. This week, we're going to be... <clears throat> so hot, you can't... All the, all the saliva is just gumming you up, buddy. He's got senior frog in <laughs> so there. So hot, I'm going to like pop the shirt up pretty soon. Do it. Ooh, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. I'll it. take off my shirt. <laughs> I'll take off my pants. Oh, wait. My pants are off. Too late. <laughs> Too late. This week, we're going to talk about Israel versus crypto. An IP address scammer getting sentenced. For our third topic, we discuss Google's DDoS protection capabilities and close with the personal finance segment. Mm-hmm. For our first topic, Hamas, the terrorist organization behind the terrorist attacks in Israel, was able to raise millions of dollars through donations of cryptocurrency. Hamas is backed by Iran financially and with material, but they were also well-funded through the use of crypto since it's not subject to the crippling sanctions they face through the traditional banking system. Digital currency wallets that Israeli authorities linked to the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, the PIJ, received as much as $93 million in crypto between August 2021 and June of this year. As Brian likes to say, that's a lot of scratch. Wallets connected to Hamas received about $41 million over a similar period. They primarily solicit donations over social media and Telegram. Okay, something's not making sense here. Stolen wallets. Those are stolen wallets. No, so on Friday the 13th, they did like the whole day of jihad, right? Which was supposed to be the day of pain and suffering, inflict, whatever. And it was called globally. And everyone's kind of heightened sense of fear. Nobody did anything. So are they just donating to the cause, but they won't actually go out there and, and wreak havoc? Is that what I'm reading here? Well, there was that one teacher that was stabbed to death in France. So they stab people in France all the time. <laughs> like that's just any day of the week. Look it up. That's, they got no guns. They're upset. They're upset. They had to work four days a week. So <laughs> now, if they beat someone to death with like maybe a kitten, then I would be like, yeah, that's terror. Well, the money that was raised was used to coordinate the initial attacks on that. Saturday that they initially went in and I think it was very low tech it was bulldozers they used bulldozers to bulldoze the wall they had paragliders just flying over red dawn style you know standard small arms and that's probably where some of the money went to and I'm sure they have a giant war chest that they're still gearing up for a elongated battle in Gaza that's inevitably inevitably going to happen okay I think some of that had to go on used to go buy rockets right but I, I just don't understand like how do you move that much money and know that it's it's you can't trap it you can't do anything to it right it, it's going to be used for nefarious reasons why can't we just put a put a put a block to that 
they're trying to. I think now that they've traced the money to Hamas mm -hmm. and the PIJ, I know Binance, so the giant cryptocurrency exchange Binance, they froze assets, they banned people from sending money or receiving money to these particular accounts. And like we said, cryptocurrency is meant to be peer-to-peer. -peer. There's supposed to be no person in the middle. There's no centralized authority. But the second it hits an exchange, then you can have pretty tight controls over it. And at some point, you do have to convert the crypto into hard currency because, you know, uh, what, what's that, that Lord of War, that arms dealer, he's not going to accept Bitcoin. He accepts cold, hard cash. You're going to have to eventually convert that money into cash and that's where you hit them is right at the exchange hmm. you think there are going to be any repercussions for people that took the bitcoin as it comes out and spins out later on just like the f terror financing laws for cold hard cash in the banking system i think if they're able to trace it they'll probably get hit with some kind of sanctions or a knock on the door from interpol or some law enforcement agency that says, "Hey, why'd, why'd you spend? Why'd you send twenty bucks to Hamas? Like they're they're a known yeah. recognized terrorist organization." Yeah, you don't think any of that stuff is stolen though? The the already like it was wallets that were stolen, uh, money that was already stolen already from from scams and whatnot from before. It's quite possible. I mean, Iran has a very good cyber force, cyber threat force, and. Just like the North Koreans, North Koreans are notoriously good at hacking crypto exchanges and getting money that way to evade sanctions. I'm sure Iran, who backs Hamas, is doing the same thing. I just love for yeah. an anonymous way of, you know, moving money around. We just know that it's tied to Hamas somehow. I think there must have been like a hummus sale, like on Amazon, and people were donating, or like they, were, they thought they were buying it, but they were actually donating to Hamas. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I thought I'd get some high quality chickpeas, but no, it's it's going to fund terrorism. I don't know. I I don't believe it. Something smells fishy right here. I'm trying to hype them up. Oh, yeah. I get it. So if they get forty one million, then the US should donate at least double that to counter it, right? <laughs> well. To that end, how did all this money get moved around and nobody noticed? You have the U.S. and Israel, two of the premier intelligence agencies, and went under the radar this whole time. Well, that and the attack, right? Money got moved, people got moved, an attack happened, and no one knew about it. That's like someone had mentioned it as like this was a very similar to like a Pearl Harbor event in Israel. Yeah, a sneak attack. Yeah, there's. I mean, they're talking about all the high tech ways that they're monitoring, but it's just similar to 9/11. It was a failure of imagination. No one thought that they'd use bulldozers to tear down the wall that separates Gaza and Israel, and people would just parachute into into their territory by the hundreds, right? I mean, yeah, well coordinated, of folks, for sure. Yeah. Well, my heart goes out to the Israelis. So, like I said, it's crazy that that stuff could happen. Yeah, and the more that we can do to help seize those funds and stop the movement of it and sanction these entities that are funding them, I think if you, you can provide all the support and humanitarian relief, but you really have to cut off the head of the snake and cut off the money. So, so let's, let's take a, for instance here, or, or an example or a hypothetical. What if they trace that money back and it came from a from a, from a a temple or a place of worship or 
what do they call those things? The uh, the mosque. Uh, the mosques. What if it came from a mosque? Any repercussions to those folks that that do that, raising that money and being able to trace that back? That's crazy. Yeah, it's. I mean, it depends. Did they send this thinking that they were sending it to a charity that eventually made its way there, or did they knowingly fund terrorism? I think that's that's the case that they'll have to make. Yeah. It's rough. There's... Really rough. I listened to an interview that was pretty interesting. It was on Lex Friedman's podcast, and they had an, an expert on international relations on, and they, they pretty much said, we've, we've tried to work with the people of of Hamas and we've every time we sent them construction goods they said we're building a school we sent them construction goods what did they do they use those materials to build underground tunnels underneath and every time they send them pipes to improve their plumbing what what did they end up doing they end up making pipe bombs so it's you could send the money and have all the best intentions but it's the people in power that are ultimately going to use it for nefarious things and you can't automatically blame them for trying to help out but, you know, at the same time, we can't keep sending money to terrorist organizations either. Just another front that we have to protect against. So we've gotten the traditional banking system down pretty well. We've sanctioned Iran almost into the ground before we gave them the $6 billion. But cryptocurrency has proven to be pretty tricky when it comes to sanctions and evasions. Supposedly that money was like being held like it hadn't been actually cut to iran yet did you guys see see or hear about that sure brian <laughs> i totally believe well that. i'm like if that's the truth then don't ever send it right like it, yeah. it doesn't have to be you know what i mean exactly yeah. yeah yeah if they haven't received it yet then don't allow them to withdraw it yeah i think the biden administration was like oh didn't we just give them six billion dollars on 9-11 like oh let's just say that we haven't you know, release the funds yet in some magic uh, banking system that that never would actually happen in. Think about that. Where would that, would it go into an escrow account? The U.S. is not going to throw that to some escrow account. And if you are, you know they're taking points or doing something. <laughs> what usually happens is those are foreign, those are foreign reserves in the name of, of Iran and we freeze the account. And then or for the access it, we just unfreeze the account. You think that Iran's like, oh, cool, we'll just keep it in this fancy account, $6 billion. No, the second the funds are available, they're going to just take it all. They're not going to be like using it like a damn ATM. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, got to get some eggs and some... some oh, wait, wait. Over to the... but, but I have to prove that I'm using it for good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not going to be an here's, Iraqi here, dinar that they're going to want gold bars, some kind of hole. You spent $6 billion on a hammer. <laughs> here's my receipt. I bought, I, bought, I bought toilet paper from Costco. So... <laughs> Well, I remember, if you remember when the U.S. sent you know pallets of literal cash, I think it was to the Taliban a number of years ago, they had to do it in Swiss francs because you know the money they used in Afghanistan was either worthless or high, pending inflation, and they don't trust the U.S. dollar for obvious reasons, so they had to do it in, in Swiss francs. That sounds delicious. I'm going to move to Switzerland just for that. Eat some Swiss francs and Franks. some Vienna I'm sausages. Gonna... I'm going to buy a glizzy with some francs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> For our second topic, we're going to talk about a brilliant scheme. I'm just mad I did not think of it first. Me too. Although it's probably a good thing we didn't think of it because the man who did it is facing five years in prison. 
Friend of the show, Brian Krebs, has an excellent write-up about a man named Amir Golston, the 40-year-old CEO of the Charleston, South Carolina-based technology company, Micfo LLC. Amir gained control of 750,000 IP addresses, and these are IPv4 addresses, under false pretenses from the American Registry for Internet Numbers, or the ARIN. The nonprofit, which oversees IP address assignments to the US, Canada, and parts of the Caribbean. How the scam would work is Amir would set up shell companies and then falsify and notarize documents saying he owned those IP addresses and they were mostly dormant IP addresses, so they would get reassigned to him. He would then resell them to other companies, sometimes to scammers and spammers, but mostly VPN companies who want to hide the real IP address of their customers. Now, the moment he falsified those notarized documents, that's where they got him. It's immediately wire fraud when you do something like that. And that's where we cross or draw the line in the sand. That's like, it was a great idea until you did that part. I think going around, I bet you, you can go to like all the small towns in America, go talk to the IT department, be like, hey, uh, you got any IPv4 stuff for sale? And they'll be like, yeah, man, got a, you know, a whole slash... 26, I don't know, something big, right? That they can just hand over to us and probably buy it on pennies on the dollar bet. And then we'll resell them. Yeah, they'll, they'll be happy to resell. They have no idea. I mean, I wonder how much you can get for some IPv4 space. I'm sure Glenn's going to start frantically typing it Googling into chat GPT right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's anywhere from 30 to $50 yeah. each now. They're quite expensive. And there's 4 billion possible IPv4 addresses, yet we're still running out of them. Well, it's because Arby's, when they had their five for five sale, they had a they had a scale. They had a fire well, you know sale who probably own, you know who probably owns the biggest block of IPv4 addresses, right? It's the U.S. government. And DoD. Schools. Yeah. DoD owns tons. Of, they they own several slash eights. Yeah. Dude, I was <laughs> I was on a call with a customer uh, yesterday in Arizona, and uh, it was kind of large. Like we had about <clears throat> I think twenty five people in attendance. And uh, we were talking about like IP overlap problems and stuff. And I said, uh, you know, unless you guys are doing like crazy stuff, like, you know, you know, taking over the seven net and that's a real thing where so set the seven net, I believe is DOD space. And when I was working at Apollo group, which was university of Phoenix, they made the decision because they were doing so many acquisitions and the IP overlap problem was such a headache for them that they would just change everything to the seven net internally. And so they made the change to the seven net and then they're like, wow, that was really stupid because we actually have to do business with like the federal government. So we switched all back to the 10 net and they did that three times. Oops. And then as I was telling this story, <laughs> I said, raise your hand if you're at University of Phoenix at that point in time. And one dude actually put his hand up in the air. Like he's like, yeah, I remember that. Like it was such a cluster. I couldn't believe it. And it was such a it was an amazing amount of work to get done. And I'll have it just like go back and forth. It was like. Uh, Michael Scott, when he was getting uh, fixed with Jan, he's like, she didn't want to have kids. So I got, uh, you know, my chopped or whatever. What is it called? Vasectomy. My Vasectomy. Uh, vis- yeah, he's all <laughs> snip, snap, <laughs> snip, snap, snip, snap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I've, I've so worked just some five very, years, though. I worked with some very large companies as well. And they said, yeah, we're, we're totally running out of RC 1918 space. So we... Thankfully, they're going to start moving to V6. 
Otherwise, it was still. I thought China would have owned a lot of it, though. I don't think they do. If they do, they purchased it and gobbled it up. But uh, if you go to Wikipedia, there's a, a cool article that shows you who owns all the slash eights. Like, no, like HP Enterprise owns, I think, the 15 net. And then MIT owns, oh, wow. like, the 13 net. And then AT&T owns one and Comcast owns one. Like, those you can understand. Xerox, I think, still owns a slash eight. But Is they still alive? Is there such a thing as Xerox? I guess so. They're probably just alive selling these IPv4s one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> That's why their entire income stream blocks. now. That's probably worth more than their whole copy business. Yeah, I'll never forget when I was at um, Federated Department Stores, and they actually had... You remember that like that old like handheld tool where you can like like stamp numbers or letters into it's it like plastic and as you yeah. stamp oh, yeah. it and press it up and make it kind of mm-hmm. look either white or whatever. They had put the IP address of every single machine like and taped it on top of it that way you have it. And I remember going back once I got through like my networking class and thinking, wow, they used a lot of class A addresses. <laughs> For every internal PC, like every every computer there was connected to the internet. Yeah, like it was such a bad idea. There was no no firewall, yeah. no natty. Yeah, no firewall. Yeah, and I just wish I would have known what I knew now. I could have just had this is a field, field day, day there. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Yeah, five years, wire fraud, probably not not worth it for how much money he may have made. Plus, all the restitution he'll have to pay out and. Who who would have thought that stealing IP addresses and reselling them would be a, a lasting business model? Yeah, Young guy, I mean, though. Young guy. Four, yeah, I know, right? 40 years old, and that dude's old. Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm five years older than him. <laughs> the the uh, the record music skip, skips all of a sudden. Yeah. So but those, I mean, it's only I, five years, two and a half years on good, per, on, on good behavior. You're out. You know, yeah. no biggie. Does he own those addresses at the end, or does he got to give them up and fork them back? No, he had to give them back. I, I doubt it. You, you can't keep stolen property. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's not like one of those things like you <clears throat> bury in the backyard, right? It's like, where are those IP addresses? I don't know. I, I hid them. <laughs> What's funny home. is I think well, the unallocated ones are all returned, but the ones he already allocated, I think they have to keep them for now because... These are actual customers that would be harmed if they had to give back these IP addresses. They'll probably have to come with some kind of migration strategy for it. But yeah, once that IP is assigned and someone builds their business around it, it's it's hard to switch it. He probably has to play some type of restitution then, right? To everybody, he all the victims. Yeah, most likely. Yeah. I definitely would if I were the judge on that case. Well, thank God you're not the judge. <laughs> For our third topic, this is a story Brian's been wanting us to cover. Google Cloud mitigated the world's largest DDoS attack, clocking in at 398 million requests per second using a new and novel attack method called HTTP2 Rapid Reset. Attackers launched an attack nearly nine times the largest attack ever recorded just a year ago, which was a measly 46 million requests per second. This one's almost 400 million. For a sense of scale. It's like 10x. Yeah, almost 10x. For a sense of scale, this two minute attack generated more requests than the total number of article views reported by Wikipedia during the entire month of September 2023. And more 
listeners than the Pepcac podcast generates weekly as well. That's true. Just by a fraction. Just a little. <laughs> One thing that continues to impress and scare me about Google is how much of this stuff they build in-house. I remember talking to a high-level network engineer at Google a few years ago, and I asked him about SD-WAN. He literally had no idea what SD-WAN was, so I explained it to him, and he proceeded to say, oh yeah, that's XYZ technology that we built in-house here at Google. Google coordinated with other major carriers and service providers to patch and mitigate the HTTP2 rapid reset vulnerability so we don't have another extinction-level event occur on the internet again. When it comes time to dealing with Google, Facebook, and Microsoft, I don't trust them. I wouldn't, like, if they came knocking at my door and like, yeah, we want to buy your stuff. I'm like, yeah, go somewhere else, bro. I don't trust <laughs> you. I think you're going to buy one of it, and then you're just going to reverse engineer it and then just make your own version of it. Like, I, I have zero trust whatsoever in them. I don't even know what they're inside of their data center would look like. Like, none of those companies got VMware. None of, you know what I mean? None of them have Infoblocks. You name it, they don't. They might have some Cisco crap, or maybe some Arista. Who knows? But they're they're definitely not buying anything above layer four and paying that value. Yeah, they're just I building it themselves. All the developers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Same with like AWS. It, you can build it. AWS doesn't right. buy Arista, Juniper. They make their own white white labeled switches. Probably That's do, crazy. Right? That's actually hardware, right? I mean, hardware is so much different than software. Yeah. Could you imagine, like, you're on the internet, you're on, you're on, uh, was it, uh, you're on Amazon and you're like, hey, I need some switches. And you got some Amazon switches for sales, secondhand Amazon, Amazon basics switches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I need a, I need a Wi Fi. Like, sure, they have that too. It's like, uh, we have some that are pre sold or they're slightly used. Um, and they used to handle thousands and thousands of internet requests a day. So, yeah. <laughs> Just, just like a used switch from AWS, that's like, I treat it the same as a refurbished hard drive. It's, it's, it's something mission critical. I want something new. I, don't, I want something that is <laughs> has never been used because it's too important if it fails. Now, I don't know if this is actually true, but my son was trying to get like a, an internship at State Farm. And he was at like, and he, he wants to do software development. So he was, he like was talking to the guys like, yeah, I need to learn this piece of uh, programming language. And my son, they said, when he looked at it, he goes, it was almost like a programming language that State Farm kind of funded. It's like almost like their own programming language, but I don't, I don't see it anywhere on the internet inter- or on the interweb. So I'll have to ask my son what the name of it was again, but it's wild when you think about people actually doing stuff like that. Yeah. Building their own programming language. Like Objective C oh. is primarily for iOS apps now. Mm-hmm. But then again, look at like what we've done with, Z scares like some bastardized version of not scent or BSD. It's like it's it's unrecognizable at this point in time. It's our own proprietary Z scaler operating yeah. system. Z O S instead of iOS, because Z is the last letter in the alphabet and it's better. Well it's easier if you're just basing it off of a browser, right? So you don't have to bastardize that. I mean if you're a slutty browser and you just, <laughs> you just work on any os i suppose hey, chrome at that point hey, hey. <laughs> be nice yeah i mean you're just building on top of an existing software that's actually out there so it's like a hubcap on a uh, cadillac so good job man 
Cloudflare also did a pretty Hate good write-up on this one, too. So Cloudflare, I think they also mitigated an attack that may might have clocked in at like 200 million requests per second. They, they're pretty honest, though. They said this really caught them off guard. Some of their their infrastructure went offline, but they said, you know, to their credit, they responded really quickly, put the mitigations in place, and now they're so-called immune to it to, to some extent. Do you guys know what, what started the event? Was it like a bunch of Linksys routers that were got CNC'd and that started the attack? Well, that's the scary thing. They, they said the attack that Cloudflare mitigated was 200 million requests per second, and they did that with only 20,000 rogue IoT devices. And when you think of Mirai or Reaper or Satori, one of those massive, massive botnets that have hundreds of thousands of devices, I just think if you could patch Mirai to use this HTTP2 rapid reset attack, point 100,000, 200,000 of these at, call it, you know, DOD or AWS or something, you could really, you could knock something offline really quick. Like they were lucky that yeah. they pointed at Cloudflare, which was massive already. And now that now they're set up to absorb it. But if you pointed it to something like the, the Dyn DNS thing we saw a couple years ago, or Fastly, one of these CDNs, like you could take down huge portions of the internet. I have a question for Glenn. Glenn, what does this uh, attack against Google Cloud and Chris have in common? Here it comes. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> they both almost 400 million requests per second. I'm sure next year we're going to probably be talking about in the billions. These things seem to just grow exponentially. Heck yeah. yeah. If you read the actual write up, it's pretty interesting how they exploited this. The, one of the criticisms was, was that Cloudflare keeps calling this a zero day vulnerability in HTTP2, but Google actually labels it correctly and says, no, this is a feature. They're just abusing a feature of. HTTP2, which is stream multiplexing. And with HTTP 1.1, it's one instruction. It's one instruction in, one instruction out. That's just how the protocol was built. But with HTTP 2, they were able to handle up to 100 requests per stream. So it pretty much magnifies the attack when you go from 1.1 to, to 2 is about 100x. So that's why they were able to generate just so much traffic from a relatively few number of devices. Riveting, I oh, know. the attacks in the protocol. <laughs> it's not a bug. It's a feature. Yeah. For our last topic, and it'll be a rotating topic every week, this week we're going to talk about what is one thing that you flat out just don't know how people afford? I know I said one thing. I, I wrote down four things here. So I'll I'll go first, and then you can we can take turns on this. One thing that I don't know how people afford are some people that always get their nails done, lash extensions, Botox, like those things don't last forever. It's pretty expensive and you have to maintain it. And some people in those situations, I don't know how they can afford to, to, to keep all that up. Well, you probably just substitute that with like ramen, right? <laughs> Top ramen. <laughs> like, I guess we're eating good today, boys or girls, you know, whatever's going on. <laughs> ramen and peanut butter jelly sandwiches. Yeah, the, the college things. diet. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of FQ. I, I distinctly remember this happening in college. One of my so sociology professors, there's probably about 600 of us in that lecture, and he said, I guarantee all the girls in this class, and he also said, and some of the guys in this class will spend more money on their hair this quarter 
than you will on textbooks, which is true. And, and textbooks are pretty dang expensive even when I went to college, but it's true. Like people spend more money on their hair than they will on, on textbooks. Is that why textbooks you won't get you a woman. Don't you use a flovey? Wait, wait, you have Grace cut your hair. I, I cut my hair and then I have Grace help with the, the touch-ups for the parts I can't see. Do you use the backy suck? <laughs> the flovey. Not That's what the it's called. It was on the... <laughs> I use the That sounds wall. like birth control. The flovey. <laughs> the steered somewhere else. All right. The the wall. Wall makes pretty good hair cutting products for for home. And then I, I was so, fully prepared for the pandemic, so jokes on everyone else. So so you don't like to get your hair cut then? Is it because of the cost or is it because you don't like someone touching you? I think I'm thinking of the cost. I started cutting my own hair in college and it was either the cost or just the inconvenience of it. Like I just cut my hair whenever I want to. I don't have to schedule it. You actually yeah. do a pretty good job on it, man. I'll give you that. Thank you. You too, Brian. You, you do very well on your haircuts too. <laughs> so, so fun fact, I can actually cut black people's hair and like that might sound like insensitive, but it's not because if you've ever had to deal with black people's hair, it is, it's, it's completely different. And, and I would say specifically, uh, men, right? Like I've never touched a black woman's hair before, but, uh, when I was in college working, I, I just love that Glenn's, Glenn's laughing. cracking up. <laughs> yeah. I, I ended up buying a pair of clippers and then one of my friends, his name was Michael. And he was just like, uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, can you come over and line me up? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I can. It's a world of difference. Cutting a white person's head versus black people. Like it was a whole school of learning and uh, it was amazing. But yeah, like you have to cut it. Like you just can't go in one direction, be done. You got to come at it like 360 degrees to make it a nice smooth and whatever, all that stuff going on. I haven't done it in a while, but I did, uh, I had another friend as an adult where I cut his hair and his two son's hair as well and kind of kept them looking good. But he was always blown away. He's like, I can't believe this freaking hillbilly out in the middle of nowhere knows how to cut hair. I'm like, it's your boy. You know, what can I say? I know what I'm doing. I used to cut my own hair uh, when I was in the military just because it was a money thing. I couldn't afford the $3.95 to get a haircut from the base exchange. So, you sound like a hundred year old. Back in Dude, the day, I, it was the I, only made, I only made $200 a week. <laughs> Let's be very honest here. So that $3.95 went went a long way someplace 2% else. 2% of your, tax, your taxable income. Yeah, beer. So anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, but... <laughs> That's the order know, to do it. Like, Spend the the, yeah. the three ninety five on the beer and then cut your hair while drunk. That's right. That's it. By the way, like it wasn't like I just learned how to cut hair and everybody thought it was amazing. The first time I cut my own hair, this guy came up to me and he's just like, he's like, bro, that is hilarious. I was like, what's going on? He's like, your hair. And then he, like, and then he kind of lashed and he's like, oh, you, that, that was on purpose. You meant to do that? Like, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. And he's like, dude, your, your thing is jacked up, man. Like, and now Brian has a shaved head. So that's, yeah. well, the important thing is you kept at it and you let him dissuade you. Yeah. I'm not going to get bullied into anything. Right. Can one man army guns can't harm me. Anyways, actually they could. But anyways, uh, you know, I had a joke that I was going to say, I can't believe people can afford groceries nowadays, but it's true. Like, holy crap, I went to the grocery store and literally everything is like three to five times more expensive than like the last time I was actually in a grocery store. And I, and I was just like, you know, thank God I can afford stuff, but I don't know how like normal people that are 
barely making it or barely were they were barely making it before or actually doing it now. That blows me away. Like there is no cheap dinners anymore. My kids tell me that because now that yeah, my kids tell me that now that two two of them or actually all of them are gone, but you know, two of them are paying for their own meals and one is still subside you know, still on the on, on retainer at the house here. She's still on the payroll. <laughs> she's uh she's trying to she's figuring out real quick that she can't go out every day and eat and know that dad daddy's gonna refresh her bank account just because she's uh she spent all her money. Quinn's a better man than me. I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another I thing know. that I, I guess I don't know anyone personally. I have a real, sort of related story, but secret hidden families. Apparently, this is a thing. So I, I go on Reddit and there's a thread, uh, some, something similar. And there are some people out there that actually live two lives. Like they have two families that completely don't know about each other. And it's like, number one, I don't have, I barely have enough energy and money to support one family. I don't know how on earth anybody can support two families and, and maintain that could you that imagine having like two you... wives though like i yeah. gotta deal with you and you forget <laughs> it <laughs> it's like no way <laughs> that would be like having cancer and aids at the same time like no thank you <laughs> man and then i also heard right. that I, I, during the travel ban during the pandemic a lot of these guys got or or gals guys or gals got, got outed for having multiple families because you can't travel <laughs> Yeah, that's like, where you going. I'm, I'm going down the street. <laughs> we're, we're supposed to be home, so. I knew there was this one uh, one guy. He was flying during peak COVID times, and he got fired because they figured out like he was he was out there like having an affair with somebody. It wasn't so much that he was having an affair; it was that he was flying on the company dollar during a lockdown. They're trying to figure it all out, like what's going on. And then he got exposed. It was <laughs> yeah. bad news. I don't know if he, it was a whole other family or just uh, another person there. So, you, you know what? Something that kind of, if you were to buy a house now, like I, I go down to Orange County once a year, you know, and, and when I visit the kids and also during our vacations and, you know, visiting there is one thing, but seeing all the multi-million dollar homes that are out there, it's like, do people actually, is that is that leveraged like finance or are they, do you think those things are all paid off in cash and people are doing okay? A lot of it's rent. A lot of it's rented. Yeah. It's hood rich. Million, million, two million dollar <laughs> homes. And it's just like crazy. It's like, how do you live down here? Because I live in the sticks on purpose because it, it saves me. There, there's some economy here, right? It's like where economics here where I can't, I really can't afford that. So I live where I live. But man, some of those places, it's just like, what do you do? Like, what do you do in order to pay that rent? Or, Real or mortgage? Real estate or fraud most yeah. of the time <laughs> <laughs> they, they inherited the house via squatting apparently that's, that's what they yeah. yeah yeah so yeah. somebody in my circle they they did that actually did happen that they found out the person's dad had a family back in china and then i guess the wife here in the u.s found out and apparently they never divorced or separated but they just weren't allowed to sleep in the same bedroom so the dad just slept on the couch and the mom slept in the bedroom and, and that was that it reminds me remember that old riddle is like daddy daddy bear comes home he's like someone's been sleeping in my bed and then mama bear is like someone's been sleeping in my bed and then baby bear is like why don't you guys share a bed anymore <laughs> Another dad joke. <laughs> Should have saved it. <laughs> <clears throat> or, or 
why I don't understand if that guy was sleeping in a different room than his wife. Why didn't he just go to the other family and just hang out with back them? in China? Yeah, right. Back in China, like where he should be happy, or is he going to sleep on the bed over there because they found out about him too? Right. So, yeah. I don't maybe know. it's okay. time to start a new family, buddy. That's a weird situation. <laughs> yeah. But you, Glenn, what surprised you yeah. that people can't afford? I don't see it, and I, I don't get it. Like, my kids in high school, well, you know, so a couple of, and DoorDash was coming out and delivering to the school, and I'm like, where are these kids getting their DoorDash money? Because holy cow. Like, I ordered Taco Bell for my dad, and it was just the single meal. It should only cost, like, you know, a burrito and a taco. That thing should only cost 10 bucks. And when I got the bill, it was like $25 plus tip. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Holy cow. So I can't imagine how much it costs to have DoorDash delivered to a school. Things like Starbucks, things yeah. like fast food. It's like, are you kidding me? Oh, Chris could like, tell you. he's a He loves his, his uh, Taco Bell uh, DoorDash? feeding moments. You sure. have that DoorDash, right? No, Taco Bell, I always go in person. Oh, okay. You order yeah. online, though? Yeah, we're online pickup in person, so it's at least ready. All right. So Taco Bell. When you order or 50 McRib. tacos at a time, yeah. The McRib. The McRib is back, supposedly. Look how, for look how happy he's smiling right now. He's <laughs> <laughs> just ear to ear. <laughs> so, Glenn, are you a McRib guy? I love a McRib. I'm not going to lie. Right. You. It's You're like... outnumbered on this, Brian. Sorry. <sighs> All right. How about this? I'm but I don't eat it every day. Let's be, let, I'll be clear. I don't eat it every day like Chris would. I eat it. It's probably once during the whole campaign, and that's about it. How about next time we record, we all sit down and have a nice, hot, and steamy McRib and see what happens. Who falls asleep first? Uh, let's hope it shows up at all of our respective McDonald's, too, because they said it's supposed is to be Is it out right now, release. or is it is it's not out? It's, us- it's usually November is when, if it ever comes yeah. back, it usually comes back in November. Ooh, my latest YouTube video is stylistically incorrect. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be it. correct for parts of the country, certain regions. The diarrhea portion will be 100% correct, though. Yeah, Pepto <laughs> Bismol sales through the roof. What about yeah. you, Brian? Anything? Um, I mean, you know, I have so much money, it's hard for me to even relate with you poor people. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes just the amount of drinking that people can do, like to go out and go just, out and like, drink, yeah. Yeah, like it, it kind of blows me away. I'm like, that's like a $15 drink, and you had like 10 of them. Like, <laughs> I don't understand that. That's wild. There's that, or like when we were in Vegas and people were getting bottle service. Yeah. That's another thing. Like $1,500 so for a bottle I, of I just go, I just look at, I go to Costco on Friday afternoons, and people are walking out with like six handles, a case of wine, and a whole bunch of other liquor and some beer in their cart. And I'm like, is that for the weekend? It's like, oh my gosh. And I see them repeatedly like every Friday. It's like a refill for them. It's like, holy cow, that it's is the a party lot pad. of to go through. Yeah. It's like weekend at Bernie's. So. That's Bernie's house. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the that's the way to do it is to just buy a handle from Costco and enjoy it at home, not going out to the bar and ordering, you know, twenty shots there. But but doing it week after week? <clears throat> that's crazy. Yeah, there. If if that's for personal consumption, you might have to do an intervention. But if it's a weekend at Bernie situation, that's a little more understandable. And the ice. The last thing I'll mention is the multiple family international vacations per year. There's also somebody in 
my circle that they take frequent international trips to you know spain to paris you name it brian brian not brian (laughs) the kids go to private school they live in a good neighborhood in a good town and i know the mom doesn't work either so the dad either works like crazy and he has a professional job but i i I find it hard to believe that he would actually make more than me um and then either it's either that or fraud there's some kind of fraud going on because i don't know how you support that kind of lifestyle he bought low on Bitcoin and sold high. Yes. Could be. This guy's not in our site, our, in our circle. Hold. I don't know who you're talking about at he all. He didn't hodl. He didn't hodl. My <laughs> circle, not our circle. Oh wow, you're you're sort of hobnobbing with the richies. Look at you, man. <laughs> I, I don't understand how people can afford first class. Like I've done some flights and I looked to upgrade it. I'm like, man, that was like one way was like six hundred eighty dollars. I understand that, and then I I will also never understand how. They'll just not put anyone in that that first class seat that we either. Yeah, like, they'd I, rather I, have I it go empty. My, yeah, they'd rather go empty than take my buck fifty or something like that. It's insane. Yeah, especially international. International first class is in the thousands, sometimes tens of thousands. Yeah, that's what's nuts. That is insane. I will say that uh, I'm planning a trip, and uh, Google Flights has been pretty interesting. So I put in the dates that I'm looking for. And it just every day I get like uh, ch- uh, price changes. So number the biggest thing that I saw was like giant fraud was like every single airline was within dollars of each other, like completely different fast, but uh, paths, but the endpoint was still the same. I'm like, how the heck is they're all, are they all going to be the same it's price fix and then use collusion yeah, it's price fix. It totally is, man. But yeah, I would see it and it would change. It'd be like, oh, the flight round trip was $1,700. Now it's $1,300 back up to 15 now it's 700 like is this all over the place so google flights is actually a pretty good life hack maybe your friend that's flying international is using that i doubt it <laughs> there's like the gas station down the block from me there's two gas stations across the street from each other they're always within two cents of each other there's some collusion and price fixing going on there for sure you don't even buy gas anymore. I don't, but I pass what, by it every day. What do you day. care about? What do you care about? <clears throat> you, you want to talk about collusion or monopoly? How about PG&E that doesn't let you get electricity? You can't get electricity from anywhere else or gas anywhere else other than one vendor. Like sure. that's crazy. You can get it from the sun, Glenn. Yeah, I already have that. <laughs> Not enough panels. So. Oh, do you actually have solar? Yeah. Yeah. Chris wanted to get batteries. solar, but his his house is too old and we're Apparently, I call him today. I'm, I'm trying to get that straightened out. So I have I, the decision is not final yet that I've gotten denied on that. That's because he it. went with one vendor. He went with one vendor instead of the ones that are hungry for for business. It's true. Yeah, they have more business than they can handle, so they don't they don't want to deal with me. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, Brian's up. Okay. What would happen if somebody ate aluminum foil? What? They would sheet metal. (laughs) (laughs) You're on a roll today, Brian. I came prepared, ladies and gentlemen. He did. You are totally. You brought it. Nice. All right, to wrap things up, Hamas is raising money through cryptocurrency. Stealing IP addresses is a bad idea. Google mitigated the largest DDoS attack ever, and spend responsibly. That's all I have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast. 
Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who rate us five stars in the iTunes store on Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the PEPCAC podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. My co-host Brian Nietzsche and Glenn Medina. I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. Bye, Felicia. To infinity and beyond. Have a nice day.